Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. KMAN, your home for K-State Athletics. This is Wildcat Insider with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, and KMAN Sports Director, Mitch Fortner. Well, I don't know about anybody else, but uh, I am, uh, I'm coming off a, a rough, rough weekend. Other than Manhattan High. Manhattan High taking care of business, even though Junction City did not have Michael Boganowski. Indians cruise to a victory. Cats lose Friday. KU crushes a UCF team that K-State at times struggled with. And then my Dallas Cowboys... And what had been a pretty stellar pass defense, just a defense in general, even though it wasn't the toughest schedule so far, Brock Purdy throws all over. And I told you last week what I was like, I, I, I'm going to puke if Brock Purdy has a nice game. He had more than a nice game. He has San Francisco as the best team in the maybe the NFL right now. I don't think it's that close. I think they're the best team in football by a pretty good margin at the moment. And he's a lot of the reason why. They run the ball. They throw the ball. They're good in play action. Defensively, they're good. I mean, they have – how many pro bowlers do you think they have? I mean, seriously. For San Francisco? I bet they have seven or eight, don't they? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's incredible. Man, I mean, the running game was really good. Man, just Dallas If you really want to, If you really want to watch a guy that knows how to run the football, go watch Christian McCaffrey for ten minutes. He runs hard. He runs with his pad level low. He has athleticism. He has the best stiff arm in football. Dude is a stud. Mark it down. He's incredible. Yeah. He's good. Um, was reminded of that quite a few times, and I was surprised George Kittle did not have a touchdown before that game. And then he goes through for a hat trick, of course. Yeah. You know he does. Well, I'm not a Cowboy fan like you are, but it was a it was a, a tough weekend for the Cats, no question. Um, what do you say? I mean, we have so many angles to attack this, I don't even really know where to start. Let, I, I'll start this way. Okay. Welcome to Wildcat Insider. Let's welcome everybody to this show. <laughs> That's Mitch a good start. Alongside yeah. uh, the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, A.J. Shaw, and John Grove in studio to run our board today. And, uh, yeah, we're... we're <laughs> Where to start? Because uh, certainly after the game, it, the meltdown was on, and I, I read the comments. I didn't get to watch the game, as a matter of fact, until uh, one o'clock this afternoon. 
is when I watched the game. Well, really about noon. It took me about two hours to watch the game because I went to a wedding on Saturday and kind of going in blind other than the final score and looking at some numbers. Everybody wanted to talk about the game, and I just kind of gave my opinions. But then watching it back, yeah, that was a definite – you know, when Will Howard had that pass batted down on fourth down at, what, two minutes to go or whatever, he went to the sideline and starts pulling on his hair. I was like, that is the best example of how we all feel right now. Sure. About how that game went because it was a bit excruciating. Uh, because like the Mizzou game, and I think that maybe that's where you take it first, back-to-back road games, the only two road games they've played so far, have been some sloppy offense. Defense doesn't give up the big plays like they did against Missouri. It was more bend but not break defense against Oklahoma State. But even after the mistakes, and Will Howard had more in the game than he did against Missouri, there were chances for the team to go tie the game. Or to go maybe win the game. A lot of missed opportunities. I think it it's what it is. And if you want to blame Will Howard on the three interceptions, you know, I think he's ready to take that blame. Hearing him post game, he was ready to take the blame. Yeah. But it was a it, it was more than that. It was more than just the turnovers. It was like lack of execution, lack of effort at times. Well, I think in visiting with Chris Kleiman after the game, both on and off the air for both radio and television, uh, I, I would tell you that I think he basically said, and I'm paraphrasing here a little bit, but basically said, it starts at the top with me. We did not coach well. We did not play well. We left things out there. Too many mistakes. Too many mistakes at the wrong time. Uh, probably would have to say... The defense of the three phases of the game was probably the most consistent. Um, offense that in that particular game was really quite troublesome. They, I'm, I'm just being honest. Will Will wore it again. He he said, "Hey, this one's on me. I got to be better." And he didn't play well. The pick six really hurt. The other two hurt, but but the pick six was just. A real blow, um, but but it was more than just will. It's receivers not being able to get any separation or get open or make hard catches. It was, you know, the offensive line I thought played their most ordinary game of the year, frankly. So there's there's a lot of things to point to. Yeah, it it was clear the offense right now is missing something important, and it might be a mix of a lot of things. Just a, a an overall playmaker. You, know, you don't have Deuce Vaughn anymore, so maybe you're missing that big-time playmaker consistently, although I thought the running game, you know, Treshawn Ward and DJ Giddens were really running through some tough situations, and they, they did their job, I thought, pretty well. But is K-State missing the true leader on the offensive side of the football? Will Howard's a leader, but, you know, are, are, are they missing the guy that's going to really get after the team? Um, and also just, you know, I saw some moments there where I, I was not happy with the effort. Um, you know, I thought Philip Brooks, um, there were times that he definitely did not go 100%. Will Howard was frustrated with him. That can't happen. That is unacceptable football. Effort wise, if you're not going 100%, you are doing your team a disservice, but also the line wouldn't sustain some blocks. And of course, Will made some mistakes. So, I, again, I don't think it's fair to just 
attack one person on this. It's not fair at all. Um, a lot added up to it. But the offense is missing something. And maybe it is a mixture of things. But now it's at a time where you got to find a lot at once. They were supposed to have it after the bye week. And they don't have it yet. So that's my concern right now. Sure. They're missing that extra something that wasn't found during the bye week. Well, that's, that's I think, accurate. And, and I think that the frustration with the fans comes in because when you play inconsistent football, there's so many. I guess that's kind of what we're saying, right? I mean, there, there have been times where I mean, you've got to keep everything into a certain perspective, too. I mean, when you look at the two road games, I, I think K-State played well enough to win at Mizzou but did not. You could make an argument that they were in the game at Oklahoma State and had a chance, but I don't know if I would go as far as to say I thought they had a real good chance to win the game. Yeah, they had a chance, but they just they just didn't play well enough. Is that right? Well, I mean, yeah, I, I mean I, it just is. I and I'm. Ugh, it's just frustrating because. Um, the inconsistency has has to kind of somewhat level out, and I think with with Coach Kleiman, what he was frustrated about, along with the turnovers, is that you get no sacks defensively, and you really don't force them into any mistakes either. This is an offense that is missing that shock, big play kind of guy with with Deuce. And so that means you you better create some short fields and you better be somewhat consistent in the longer drives. That they've kind of done this year. Now, the other night might be the exception of the rule, but it just it just stings because it was a winnable game and you really weren't on on the top level of, of what you're capable of. And that that burns a little. Well, no def- defensively, K-State still with uh, – they get seven tackles for loss. They don't get any sacks. Um, y- you saw a little bit more, I guess, consistency uh, in the run game for Oklahoma State than I think we've seen this year. Uh, you know, the only thing that would rival that would be the UCF game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, K-State's been really solid. Still giving up just 4.4 yards per carry uh, against Oklahoma State. And only Gordon, you know, really turned on back-to-back – 100-yard rushing games. You know, against the pass, though, the big adjustment you saw was – and actually, I thought it was interesting because Coach Kleiman, I think at the end of the first quarter, talked about this during, with the sideline reporter and said that on TV was like, you know, just an adjustment we need to make is uh, don't be so soft on in the coverage. Well, you know, it was a lot of bend but don't break coverage. They K-State had to limit the big plays, and I think they gave up one, maybe two – uh, because even though they were the bend but no break, they some guys got behind them, and of course that can't happen. And then gave up some long runs in the in the ground game for Ollie Gordon. But at the end of the day, I can't really, you know, I, I don't think a whole lot negatively right now about the defense and especially that performance against Oklahoma State. They were giving up points, but they were holding him to field goals. Oklahoma State just had the one offensive touchdown. 
Um, and I thought K-State's defense certainly played better in the second half. Um, There's no doubt about that. But that get, that's a fair statement. Giving up field goals gives you an opportunity to go win the game, especially on the road against Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's going to play with their hair on fire. They needed something. They wanted to prove something on Friday night. In a way, they, you know, they kind of did by holding K-State to just 21 points on the night. But for the most part, they did enough to make it a winnable game. It wasn't a beautiful day at all. It was not a clean game. But they did enough. Well, I, I think that's also true. I mean, you, you look at numbers, and sometimes we say you can make out of the numbers what you want to, but, but I do think sometimes that they do uh, tell a story, meaning – Think about a couple of different things, okay? Oklahoma State, for the game, averaged 5.4 yards per play. That is relatively acceptable from a defensive perspective. K-State gave up 174 rushing yards and 412 total. That's competitive. How many times did they, you know, hold them to field goals? I thought defensively, especially with the issues they had with Jacob Parrish not being available and then Will Lee getting hurt in the third quarter, um, there were some things that they were fighting there and still, I thought, competed. So, yeah, like you, I think the defense of the three phases of the game, to me, it was the defense that that kind of stood out. That's a great point because, yeah, yeah, K-State is still dealing with – Guys that are banged up. Sure. The offense is now much healthier than they were. The defense um, are a little bit more hurt after uh, that game against Oklahoma State. Because you mentioned Will Lee, Jacob Parrish doesn't play. So now Keenan Garber, who I thought, you know, had to really work his tail off to force some incompletions. Um, And then Justice James comes in for some pretty serious snaps. And, you know, and, and by that time, maybe Oklahoma State wasn't as aggressive as they were earlier in the game, especially in the last couple of drives. Yeah. They definitely got conservative, but he wasn't bad. Well, I, I think one thing that was a concern going into the game defensively for K-State, and, and Coach Clement talked about this a lot during the week, was that Oklahoma State always seems to do this when they play K-State, whether there is an off week prior or not. They're going to show some things that they had not prior to the to the game that we saw the other night. And boy, it was never more true than that, right? I mean, how many kind of gimmicky, gadgety kind of plays did they pull out of there, especially in the first half? I mean, they were going for it. And I get it. You know, they had been criticized and criticized and criticized for a week and a half. And I think that was part of the game, too. I thought they had maybe more of an edge in playing the game than K-State did. Fair? Yeah. 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 I, again, that you, you, <laughs> I just felt like they were a little bit more um, – maybe more excited to play. I guess is the way to say it. No, they were pumped up. And, you know, both road games so far, K-State has not been able to take the road environment out of it. Haven't been able to take the crowd out of the game and and take control and put together some consistency and give you a better feeling about winning the game. It's just been an absolute struggle on the road so far for the Cats. I want to ask you one other question about the game on – on Saturday and or Friday, and, and maybe this was really the only criticism of the coaching all all game, but analytics say you go for it. 
It's when K-State makes it an eight-point game and they decide to go for two. Mm -hmm. And I understand the analytics part of it. My thought was like, well, you're right now in a huge grind just to make it a winnable game. Sure. Maybe you just kick the extra point, but that was also a catch that should have been made by R.J. Garcia, and he ends up dropping it. Um, But what did you think of the call? I didn't necessarily have a problem with going for two because of two things. These coaches now, whether it's Chris Kleiman at K-State or whoever it might be, that's what they're doing. They're playing the analytics game to the hilt, 100%. Don't you think? Yeah. And the reality of it is, and I mentioned this to Coach Kleiman when we were taping the television show prior, I guess, but that that was there. Um, RJ's got to make that catch, simply stated. you got When it's right there, you have to make the play, and he just – just unfortunately didn't. I think the criticism that I heard, maybe even more than that, was in, at the part where they didn't really go for the field goal on the, was it a fourth and oh, eight for, play? Yeah, and the ball gets, yeah. You know, yeah. yeah, the whole miscommunication between Gillum and Will. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I kind of understand that one to more of a degree than I do the two-point try. I, I think every coach, well, that's probably unfair. I think a lot of coaches do to analytics, and they study the heck out of that stuff now, uh, would, would have probably done the same. Yep, K-State left some points out there. That, that There's certainly no uh, arguing against that. Uh, just past that one play, you know, and we're going to jump back to it here in this next segment because when we come back, we're going to hear from K-State quarterback Will Howard, who spoke to the media after the game. He was incredibly upset, frustrated about the loss. He takes responsibility. And we'll, of course, you know, look back at those three interceptions and what went wrong when we come back on Wildcat. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We continue with Wildcat Insider, Mitch Fortner, the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson. K-State football now 3-2 with a 1-1 record in Big 12 play. After a 29-21 loss to the Oklahoma State Cowboys in Stillwater, K-State has now lost eight of their last nine uh, in Stillwater. And now a road trip to Texas Tech for a 6 o'clock kickoff is this Saturday. That means Power Cat Game Day will start uh, 2 o'clock in the afternoon uh, with Derek Young, Cole Manbeck, and myself. Talked a little bit about it in the first segment. We're going to look more into it here in the second segment, and that is Will Howard. And I and I saw the comments, maybe some quarterback controversy. I wouldn't call it controversy. People just want to see Avery Johnson play. Uh, but Will Howard goes 15 of 34 for 152 yards, a touchdown, and um, three interceptions. Uh, his second three interception game of his career. You got to go back a couple of years ago in a loss to. West Virginia to find the last one, um, and Will Howard in the last six games dating back to last year. Will Howard has thrown nine touchdowns and nine interceptions. As you can imagine, QB1 very upset about the loss 
and the way he played. Here is uh, a portion of Will Howard after the game with the K-State media in Stillwater. What are kind of the media thoughts after a game like that? I don't have any media thoughts. I mean, thoughts, I guess, are um, we didn't play well, and I didn't play well. And I'm going to own every bit of that because I didn't play well enough for us to win. And I made way too many mistakes, and can't say much other than that. Three interceptions, I know that's eating at you, but what what just kind of went into them? Bad decisions, bad throws. Well, you're a big leader on this team. Um, was there any messages in the locker room with you and Coach Kleiman just about trying to maintain that positive attitude and, and be a leader for this group? Yeah, post game, um, you know, a lot of the message was how are we going to respond from this? And you know, a lot of people are saying a lot of things about us, but you know, the truth of the matter is we're we're not playing well. We're we're playing, um, you know, we're an average team at best right now. We're three and two, and and. Uh, you know, we, we can't play like this if we want to get to where we want to get. We got championship, you know, goals, and that's not going to happen if we if we keep doing making mistakes. And I, I mean, I, if if you ask me, I'd say this one's on me. But obviously, you know, I can't I can't put it all on myself. But I, I take the brunt of the blame for what went on on offense, and uh, you know that is what it is. It's on me. I gotta be gotta be better. And 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 you know, my promise is that I, I'm gonna work my tail off to make sure that, that this doesn't happen again. Looked like Phil thought you were going to throw to a different spot on that one interception yep. at the end of the first half. Was that just a miscommunication between you guys? Bad decision. Um, he was guy was guarding him man-to-man. He went over top, tried to back shoulder him, weren't on the same page. It's a terrible decision. After how well everything went last year, for both you and the team, what's it like to be kind of on the other side of it right now? And not a good feeling. Uh, you know, we, we I feel like we kind of came in here and, and, and thought that, you know, kind of listened the, to the outside noise a little bit too much. And, you know, they, they hadn't put really good stuff on film. And uh, we thought, you know, we we're a better team than them. I still, you know, think that we're, you know, when we're at our best, we're a better team than them. But we didn't play our best. And they played well tonight. They played better than us. So, Mitch Ford and Wyatt Thompson back with you live. So after hearing that, I have a number of you know, responses, but I, I where I want to start wide is the answer to that last question that, that Kellis asked and, and you know, Will saying that Oklahoma State did not put enough on, you know, film to uh, maybe really, of course I'm not you know, quoting him directly here, but not enough to respect Oklahoma State in a way and maybe listen to some of the outside noise about how, you know, K-State should go into Stillwater and I, f- I feel like what a lot of us thought was they could go in there and win in a way comfortably as in K-State should be the much better team, and they should go in and just go get a victory, and that didn't happen. And I got to admit, I was maybe one of that some of that outside noise because I was very confident that coming off a bye week, clean up the issues, K-State can come out as a much better team than they've played on the road so far and against UCF, come out much cleaner. Hopefully Will's not forcing it, secondary's not giving up big plays, and they can go win a game. And I was wrong. And just my thought there is this is where my optimism comes from. Heading forward. Hopefully this loss angers them into getting better, if that makes sense. Sure. I think it, it better. Let's, let me say that again. It better. Yeah. 
I think Will brings up some good points on just about everything that was talked about there. But on this one that we're discussing now, where maybe there was too much of this, you know, talk about, well, they're not very good. We're better than they are. And and that's, I get it. You know, those things, are that happens in this game. They do. But, man, you can't swallow that like that and just think that it's they're going to lay down. My Gundy teams don't do that, man. They are they are tough, and they were challenged, and that's what what I was referencing earlier in in the in the first segment, in that there was never any time that I felt like this was going to be a butt kicking, that K State was just going to go in there and walk away, and 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 it was going to be an easy game. If you thought that, then you don't have enough respect for Oklahoma State's program and Mike Gundy. No, because fair. they they got embarrassed at home by a pretty decent South Alabama team. They were better in Ames. You could see it on tape. They had made some decisions about running back and quarterback and stayed with it and were convicted by it. And again, I'll go back to you saw the play calling in the first you know quarter and a half of the game. They had nothing to lose, dude. They were letting it all hang out, including the the fake on the on the punt on fourth down. Th- they looked like a CFL team, <laughs> didn't they? Yeah. I mean, it was like we're here to win, boys. Let's go. And I think K State, to a degree, was a victim of that. It's why I I don't know if you know Robert Allen, their sideline reporter oh, well. in Oklahoma State, but yep. you know I asked him the question. That's you know the reason why is because. It's a respect towards Mike Gundy, and that is the three times in 19 years that Oklahoma State has started 2-2, two and two, they have bounced back and to get to at least a bowl game. And the last time that happened was in 16. It was the same year they lost to Central Michigan on that Hail Mary and then the lateral whatever. And they won 10 games that year. Yeah. Like So they've had some slow starts before in, in Gundy's history, but man, have they bounced back. And I asked Robert Allen, is like, does it still feel like there is, you know, optimism and confidence that Gundy can turn this around quickly? He says, well, absolutely. I'm a Mike Gundy guy. I've known him for a long time. But it feels like, you know, the Oklahoma State fans maybe thought as well that, you know, after looking better against Iowa State, there's an outside shot of beating K-State. Yeah, I think when you (laughs) – consistency matters. And going into that game, the one thing that kept resonating for me is this is a program that has been to 17 consecutive bowl games. They may be down, but they're not out. And if we think they're going to be out, that's a mistake. Also, some of my optimism in K-State winning that game or maybe winning comfortably in Stillwater was my preseason thoughts on Oklahoma State. I didn't think Alan Bowman would be a good fit for Oklahoma State. Um, he's not a dual threat guy. Uh, he's been sitting on the bench the last couple of years at Michigan, and he injury prone at Texas Tech. Um, I thought Oklahoma State got their butts handed to them in the transfer portal, and I didn't just th- I just didn't think they had a ton of talent that could compete well. And K State is their first victim, and I think that's where it hurts the most because I didn't think. Oklahoma State will be very good this year. Well, I, I think so, some of that is pretty accurate, to, if not all of it. 
And I think that is part of the trap that we're, we're describing here, right? I mean, they got really hammered in the transfer portal. Three of their very best defensive players walked and went into the portal. Trace Ford, Jabbar Muhammad, Malcolm Rodriguez, all those guys are gone. I mean, that had to be a major blow. Did Mason Cobb go in the NFL or is he somewhere else? Is he he's next level now, I think? Yeah. But he was really good. Oh yeah. Yeah. From I mean the last couple of years for Oklahoma State's defense was pretty decent. And 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 with all due respect to your to your comments about Alan Bowman, I get it. But again, I go back to the consistency in which Mike Gundy has coached at Oklahoma State. Uh, we've seen it with others, including a guy like Bill Snyder here. Those guys can win with any kind of quarterback. They just can and oh, do. Well, believe me, my preseason thoughts on Bowman to where they are now, yeah, they're, they're, def- they're different. <laughs> I just want to get that point across. They're now, different now. Now, let's, let's be honest, though. Let's be honest. Are they like they have been in recent times talent-wise? No. And everybody sees that. They don't have a Tylen Wallace or, you know, some of the guys that they've had here recently, running backs. Yeah. And that's no disrespect to what they have. I think they did a good thing. There are people at Oklahoma State that feel like that Jaden Nixon's their best back. But they were convicted and committed to Ollie Gordon, and you saw what happened. Yeah. He was pretty good. Very well. And there were times at Oklahoma State. Bowman was line. coached up to not make any mistakes. Yeah. And when there was any doubt, where was the ball? In the seats. Period. End of story. Yep. When he was under yeah. pressure, yeah. He, he would back up a little bit, maybe try to find some room and just let it go. That's let it, it fly out of bounds. And that's, live, live another play. I mean, that's a perfect yeah. transition into you know the next point about what Will Howard was talking about and him just making bad decisions and bad throws. When I again, I watched the game for the first time all the way through earlier this afternoon because I called the Manhattan game on Friday. I wanted to see the three interceptions for myself. I, I needed to see what happened exactly because the quarterback will always get the blame for the interception most of the time. Yep. But how often is it truly their fault? Well, the first interception, second drive, third play, throws it into. Well, maybe I can't remember the receiver was, but had an open receiver, but did not respect the safety. That was also in coverage. Easy interception by Epps. The second was the pick six. He's in miscommunication with uh, Philip Brooks. Yep. And it looks like he was trying to hit the out route. But at the same time, Will's trying to throw across the field, and that's a long throw to make on a short route. Sure. So I, I think Will is two for two there on bad mistakes. And then the third interception was, okay, it's third down, it's the second-to-last drive, maybe you're in field goal position, I can't remember exactly where it was. You're about to take this sack. The offensive line was not good on the final two drives. And instead of just eating the sack and maybe live to see another day, tries to throw to Senate near sideline, and right in front of him is a defender. I mean, threw it right to a, a black jersey. Good play. Nicholas Martin had that pick and 17 tackles. So after a bye week and Will Howard wanted to shore up some of those mistakes, not force it, ends up forcing two of them and makes a bad decision on a on a pick six. So I, I, I got to put the blame on Will Howard. Um, so again, I hope the anger and the frustration will fix some of those mistakes. Well, it's an interesting thing here because what I will tell you 
I don't know that you will agree with this, and it's okay if you do or you don't. But those comments that Will made are things that he should be saying. And he has always been a guy that when he's made mistakes, he wears it. And I think he was frustrated and mad and should have been and probably will be pretty motivated to help get this team turned back. Doesn't guarantee victory in any way because they're running up against a a quality team on the road at night in a very difficult place to play. That place will be jumping. It isn't going to be that much different than Boone Pickens at Jones AT&T. Yeah, especially at night. And they probably have better skill than Oklahoma State throughout the entirety of their roster. But Will still needs some help. He needs better pass blocking. I mean, Oklahoma State nearly got there multiple right. times on four-man rushes and, and K-State and a lot of like stunts, right? And K-State, for some reason, just hasn't been recognizing those. Um, but also, wide receivers need separation and need to run their routes at 100% every play. I've seen too much of it this year of guys not running their routes or if the route ends and Will scrambling, trying to get open. There just hasn't been enough of that. I saw too much of it against Oklahoma State. Well, again, going back to Will, though, I'm, I'm glad to hear the things that he is saying under the circumstances. And I do think he will do his best to get this group back, among others. But that's, that's the, you, you know that the coaches are going to try to do that. He's going to try to do that. What about everybody else? I mean, who else is going to respond? You know, those are the things. Again, it doesn't guarantee if it, it happens that you're going to go down there and win a game. But I think most people would say, go and give us a good game. Be in the game, have a chance to win it. And then, you know, if, if it doesn't happen, so be it. But want better effort, better focus, better everything. And these kind of shows, after these kind of games, I mean, it really, <laughs> it really stinks to be just well, so negative. I mean, I've seen this game compared to – a couple of other losses. One of them I, I kind of agreed with was the remember the Vanderbilt loss yeah. on the road. And I felt like you were definitely the better team, but the offense just couldn't move the ball down the field or score points. And, you know, the uh, the opposing offense just did enough to go win the game. Um, yeah, I mean, just this just feels like one of the, war, the worst loss in the climate era. K-State right now 10-9 and on the road in Big 12 play under Chris Kleiman. You'd love that to be a lot better, but, I mean – this definitely hurt more than Missouri, despite the way oh, that game sure. ended. Yes. Uh, it hurts more than the Missouri game. Well, and, and it means more, too, because it's a league game, uh, yeah. to be honest with you. And, and some would argue with that because of the recruiting in the Kansas City area and those kind of things. I get all of that. But, um, again, I, I'll, I'll be repetitive here, but I, I just feel like the frustration comes from this team – there were lots of expectations, and right now there's inconsistencies and what have you. When you're, when you have things like this, you kind of find out where where the leadership's at and and who's gonna who's gonna help bring them back. At the end of the day, though, we know this team has talent. Sure, we know this team can go out and win these tough, close games. They're just not playing to the ability that they should be playing, and we all probably expected K State to be five and zero right now. And feel very comfortable. Two adversity games and you're 0-2 on those road games. It does not get easier. Even though Texas Tech has had its struggles, they've won three of their last four. Sure, They had some weird games to start the year. I'm sure they learned from those. 
Now K-State needs to learn from the loss against Oklahoma State. Let's take a break, and when we come back, last weekend in the Big 12, boy, the top two of the conference is no doubt about it, decided already. Um, It's going to be hard to knock off the top two teams in the Big 12, although one of them had to win on Saturday. We'll talk about last week's games when we come back at Insider. You're listening. Mitch Fortner and the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson, back with you on Wildcat Insider. A.J. Shaw, John Grove, both uh, tag team of the board today. A little bit more training going on. Uh, meanwhile, we look back at the weekend in the Big 12. Case at Oklahoma State played on Friday. Everybody else, other than those who had a bye, uh, played on Saturday. And, of course, the, uh, the game that stole the show, stole the weekend in a way. Uh, I didn't get to watch very much college football at all this past Saturday because, again, I was attending a wedding. Uh, some bad reception out there in the country. Although I uh, did catch the end of Mizzou LSU on my phone right before I went into the ceremony. Man, I feel bad for those that took Mizzou plus five and a half or plus six and a half because that was one of the nastiest backdoors I think I've ever seen. The Brady Cook pick six with like 20 seconds to go or whatever it was. When Mizzou, Mizzou had no shot at going to win that game most likely. And then Brady Cook gives up the pick six. No, the show stealer was uh, the Red River rivalry, Cotton Bowl in Dallas. Number 12 Oklahoma State still, or Oklahoma rather, still undefeated. They beat Texas. I think that surprised a lot of people. Line was like six and a half in favor of Texas. Oklahoma wins 34 to 30. It was a terrific college football game. Like most others, not all, but most, I picked Texas to win. I thought they would be the better team at the line of scrimmage. The reality is they weren't necessarily. Now, let's put that into its proper perspective. They had 527 yards in the game. Quinn Ewers had a fantastic game from my perspective, at least numbers-wise. You could argue all day long whether he made enough plays or not. But, I mean, his numbers were really – I mean, he threw for 346 yards. However, if you look out there, one touchdown, two picks. That's a big deal. But how about Oklahoma? They passed for 285. They rushed for 201. I don't know that I really thought that they were capable of doing that. Jaleel Farouk had a big game. And obviously, you know, they were good enough in the run game. And it, it was back and forth and tough and, you know, just major, you know, emotional swings. But when the game came down to the waning seconds, and I think you got to give Oklahoma a lot of credit for this. Texas kicks that field goal with just over a minute to go, and everybody thinks the game's over. Not Oklahoma. They drove right down the field and scored. Yes, they did. That and was that was impressive. Scored with, what, less than a minute to go? Oh, and yeah. I mean, just a few seconds left, really. And yep. uh, I had to stop watching the game at half. My biggest takeaway just watching the first half, though, was – you know what? Oklahoma's defense stepped up and did make some plays. Again, the two interceptions by Quinn Ewers, the first one led to Oklahoma's first touchdown. And I thought, for the most part in the first half, OU was able to keep Quinn Ewers 
in check, especially throwing the football. Yes, I was surprised to see 346 yards of of passing. And he was 31 of 37. Yeah. But when Just you, didn't seem that easy for him. But here's the deal. When it was all said and done, Dylan Gabriel, 285 passing yards, one touchdown, no picks, but he also rushed for 113 yards and a score. He was really good. Well, Dylan Gabriel on the ground was tough. Was I mean, that 44-yard run he had. Uh, in, in OU ran it just 4.7 yards per carry. Keeping Texas to under four yards a carry is you go. big time. Well, that goes back to what I said. Yeah. I felt like Texas was the better team at the line of scrimmage, and the reality of it was on this day in Dallas, they weren't so much. Boy, did not like seeing this final score. Um, it makes a road trip in uh, November uh, pretty darn scary right now. Uh, so John Rice Plumley does come back, and he's in the game for like three plays or something. Timmy McLean the rest of the way. I guess Plumley re-aggravated something, but KU just absolutely stomped UCF 51-22. It was 24 nothing at half. Yeah. They had a they had a, a special teams touchdown, uh, but but at the end of the day, I mean, if you look at the numbers, KU just crushed them in the run game. I mean, crushed them. They had, let me double check, make sure I got this correct. They had three hundred ninety nine rushing yards and averaged seven point eight yards per carry, and that was with Jason Bean at quarterback. And I'm wondering when people are going to finally say, you know what, he's pretty good too. Don't he only you? had to throw the ball 12 times. Well, that well, that's it. But I've, I was very interested to hear Lance Leipold say after the game that he was basically told this is going to be this is going to be a day of the running backs and the offensive line. We're better there. We're going to go prove it. I think they did. Um, so this other game that uh, I'm trying to. Kind of multitask here, but um, jumping back to my scoreboard here. So Texas Tech Baylor, I thought that game could go either way, and I so had it like because we picked the game here on the show, we picked it on Powercat Game Day. I'm like, it's kind of, it felt like a coin toss because both teams needed the win, and Baylor finally had something going after that crazy comeback at UCF. No, it was pretty much all Red Raiders in in Waco. They they stomped them 39 to 14. Well, the bottom line is is that, in my mind, it comes down to rushing. Baylor had 17 rushing yards in the game. 17! That's nothing. No. And then the other game, Iowa State, TCU, Cyclones win at 27-14. The thing there is uh, Chandler Morris might be out for a while for uh, TCU, so that's notable for next week. Yep. Uh, when the Horned Frogs come to town. we got to take our hour break, hour two, coming up next on Wildcat Insider.